Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Two Jobbers and a Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This week, I do not have a good friend on my show. No, as the OC would say, I have a good brother. It is my brother, Frankie Sample. Frankie, how you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Speaking of the OC, aren't they not a thing anymore? Yeah, we don't like to talk about it. <laughs> All right. We'll stick to positivity, the power of positivity. Yes, sir. So, you were the first guest good old five weeks ago. Here we are five weeks later, still in the middle of a pandemic. How are you doing? Yeah, not much has changed. We're still quarantined. We're staying home. Hope everyone's staying safe throughout this time. Uh, Keep your mind occupied. I was just watching Korean baseball, so that should give you some kind of indication of where I'm at. I'm currently losing my mind but yeah that's that's current that's what i've got going on um just hoping you know things turn around sooner rather than later it seems like things around the country are starting to open up and you know slowly getting better we live here in new york so we're probably going to be lagging behind everybody else but uh yeah i mean not much has really changed since five weeks ago how you doing johnny i'm good man like you said you know just staying home staying safe you know we got to stay positive in times like these can't let it overcome us uh, you know, just trying to keep busy, obviously doing the podcast, uh, having a good time talking wrestling with everybody. Uh, something that I started doing on the podcast that happened probably the week after uh, I had you on, because I started doing it consistently to, to get to know my guests. I asked all my guests two questions, so I'm going to do it now with you. Number one, what got you into wrestling? What got me into wrestling? Um... I guess the same thing that got you into wrestling, I would say family, right? Like if your family watches wrestling, it's kind of like, how do you choose what fan base you're part of when it comes to sports, right? Like if you, you know, if you're a baseball fan, uh, you're a Yankee fan, you're a Met fan, whatever, it, it usually comes down to um, what is your family? So what kind of fan is, is your family of? And, you know, obviously we have people in our household that watched a lot of wrestling growing up. So I, I would say... That's probably what got me into it, and it didn't hurt having, you know, some of my best friends into wrestling as well. So I would say it's, you know, the people that you're around growing up that get you into it. Okay, sounds good. And second question, who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, I think it's got to be Stone Cold. It's a cop-out answer, but, I mean... He's the goat, man. Like I'm doing this podcast. I'm drinking a beer right now, Stone Cold style. The guy revolutionized wrestling. He made it cool to want to hate your boss. Uh, just changed everything. Face of the Attitude Era. One of the, I don't know, one of the most known wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Rob Van Dam is one of my favorites too, man. Like I was just watching some of his highlights before. Like Rob Van Dam is just awesome. Man. Way ahead of his time. What he did in ECW. Cocky, confident, great. Uh, at high-risk maneuvers, I mean, he was just really a different be- breed before those kind of wrestlers were around. But uh, I would probably go with Stone Cold. That's a good answer. You know, he he is the biggest draw of all time when it comes to wrestling. Like, that's like a proven fact. Yeah, I mean, is there has there ever been a louder pop than, you know, Stone Cold coming out at the end of the night, just stunning someone, drinking beers? Like, it didn't matter when. Like, it wasn't just returning from an injury. Like, whenever yeah. Stone Cold came out, he just got the craziest pops. Very true. You're not wrong. Um, so to start the show, you know, as we as we talked about, you know, coronavirus, we're still going through this pandemic and everything, and it's still affecting some wrestlers. So one wrestler I know recently who I haven't seen since WrestleMania was um, Sami Zayn. He's one of the people who, you know, decided to stay home while this is going on, uh, which is why we haven't seen our Intercontinental Champion on TV in a while. But the biggest one still and. I couldn't believe what I saw the other night on Raw. It was it was baffling. Uh, Roman Reigns, you know, that was the big news five weeks ago when me and you uh, did this, that, you know, he decided to stay home. Uh, he has uh, other health issues and they didn't want to risk it. They didn't want to risk his family's life. Um, and since then, uh, WWE has been taking shots almost at Roman in a way. So, you know, they don't advertise him anymore. The uh, commentators were told not to talk about him on the show anymore. He's been taking off of, uh, like, the Make-A-Wish videos and stuff. And then the biggest thing, which I couldn't believe, I-, I-, I was baffled. This week on Raw, 
they did like the top 10 like money in the bank moments and number one was seth cashing in his money in the bank mind you roman is the person he curb stomped and pinned to win that uh match however all they showed was seth running down curb stomping uh curb stomping brock it then went to black you heard the one two three and then seth was his champion so they completely edited out roman reigns what so, is going on here uh, listen I, I, all i can think of is listen maybe vince is being petty because like roman didn't want to come work like i i don't know like what, what are your thoughts on this I mean, it's not a matter of the guy not wanting to work. Uh, you know, he had leukemia, so he has a compromised immune system. Yeah. And everything that he's been told, everything that everybody has been told, is that you, if you have a compromised immune system, you should be more careful than anyone else. Like, you have to proceed with caution, and that's exactly what he's doing. Like, we, we said this five weeks ago. We were surprised <laughs> that WrestleMania was still happening and that Vince was still going on with all these events that he had planned and like how can you blame the guy for not coming to work while you know he he's gone through whatever he's gone through so it doesn't make much sense to me unless there's something else behind the scenes that i don't know about but just yeah on the surface i mean if you're trying to act petty towards a guy who had cancer and has cancer and <laughs> he doesn't want to come work because he, he doesn't want to get coronavirus like how can you do that you can't do that exactly and from from what I've been reading over the past couple of weeks, you know, Vince is apparently you know not taking this thing seriously. He's in a very um like I don't I don't care kind of mood, like just doing whatever. And I don't know. I I just think it's crazy to think like I don't know like you. He should be fortunate that his company is still allowed to do what he's doing because, like we said, you know, five weeks ago, the entire sports world is shut down. No one's doing anything. Well, notice what's still there is something still going on, Johnny, and it's UFC. So what do they have in common? I mean, these guys are money hungry. It's, it's true. You know, Dana White and it's Vince McMahon. So UFC 249 is coming out this weekend, this Saturday. They still they have a stacked card going on, and you know they're still having shows. And I mean, what do those two guys have in common? I mean, well, the thing is with Vince, he's the guy who's at risk more than anybody else. Look at it's, how old he is. It's true. What is he thinking? You're not wrong. Um. Something that, uh, so this was an interesting story, you know, last week, because uh, WWE right now is at their performance center doing their shows in Orlando, and uh, I know Florida's going to be opening up soon, uh, I, don't, I, know, I don't know if it was this week or, or next week, but it's, it's quite soon, and first there was a, a report that came out that said that uh, WWE was going to be allowed to have, like, a certain percentage of, like, fans in attendance, and I was like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't sound like a good idea to me because, you know, it's probably not the first thing you should be doing out of a pandemic. And then they kind of changed it. And the and um, the governor of uh, Florida was like, no, 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 like, we're not going to allow anyone to be like in attendance. So I don't know, like, like, what are your thoughts on them kind of like going back and forth on this, you know, fans in and out of attendance type thing? There's no chance. You can't have fans. I mean, I understand it. It's such a pivotal part of wrestling. I mean, being able to play off the fans and the reason you have a face and the reason you have a heel is because half the crowd or supposed to be half the crowd is cheering for someone, half the crowd is booing someone. I mean, this goes back to, you know, the origins of wrestling. But yeah, I understand that. But you kind of have to adapt with everything else that's going on. You think, you think the KBO, the Korean baseball organization, wants to be playing with Johnny, they literally have cut out people in the stands, like cardboard cut out people wearing masks. That's Seriously. hilarious. I mean, it's, it, it is. It is what it is, right? So it's like, all right, get creative with it. Like, I don't know, make a virtual audience and have people cheer like that. I don't know. Just get creative with it. Do something. But no, there's no fans. There, There's not going to be any fans, or at least there shouldn't be, for the rest of this year. Sports are trying to come back. Baseball in the United States is trying to make a comeback. It's going to be with no fans. So, yeah. I mean, you have to do what you have to do. I mean, he should be fortunate. Vince should be fortunate that he still has shows going on and that he's still, I guess, somewhat making money. I'm sure he's losing a lot as well. I mean, rest in peace to the XFL. But yeah. uh, no, there's not going to be any fans for the, at least the rest of this year. I, I would agree with that. And, you know, again, you know, it, it, it is a good time to be optimistic. But 
there you can't be too optimistic with things like that. I would have to agree with that. Um, so something I want to bring up because it, it kind of it's kind of similar. So I know you've been watching the uh, the Michael Jordan documentary uh, every week, and I heard it's it's a really good documentary. Um, starting this Sunday, after Money in the Bank is the first episode of this Undertaker documentary. I remember I don't know if you remember uh, after Mania to kind of give like a little preview of it. But this documentary is supposed to be about, you know, kind of like Taker hinting or basically saying, like, what's happening with his future and, like, his retirement. Oh, well, you think? How old is he? <laughs> 75 years old? I mean, he's in his 50s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shout out to Undertaker. I mean, he's still getting it done and he just had an awesome, whatever you want to call it. I guess it was a match at WrestleMania. It was awesome for what it was. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, what time are they airing that documentary on Sunday? Um, well, the pay-per-view starts at 7. Uh, I want to say Money in the Bank would probably be done between between 10 and 11, so right after that. So 10, 30, 11, probably 11 the latest. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because the Michael Jordan documentary airs every Sunday from 9 to 11. So I was like, this has to come on at 11 o'clock. There's no way Vince is going to try and air an Undertaker documentary at the same time that the Michael Jordan documentary is going on, because it's just... <laughs> no one's going to watch it. But, you know, if it's on at 11, some people might watch the Jordan one uh, and then go watch the Undertaker one. Yeah. Um, but I, then again, I don't know how much crossover there is between basketball and wrestling fans. But that's true. I, that's just my takeaway. But um, listen, I'm, I'm pumped for it, uh, you know, because Taker is one of those people who he doesn't let, like, people into his life like that. So to see, like, you know, what he's saying and how he's actually feeling about, uh, like, him like himself and like retiring because listen in the in the preview i saw this week a lot of wrestlers were saying like you know a lot of us think taker doesn't even know when it's time to go out they're like it's the hardest thing for a wrestler to decide like you you just can't let it go let it go uh <laughs> but yeah i mean it's true. Like it, the same thing happens in sports. Like there are just some guys where the expression they use is you have to tear the jersey off their back. They just don't know when to stop playing. And you know, it's for the love of the sport. It's for the love of wrestling. What else is Undertaker gonna do? Sure, he can collect royalties on you know whatever happens on the network, or you know if they make yeah. documentaries, that's perfectly fine. They sell his merchandise. Like he'll be fine. It's just outside of that, what is he gonna do? So the guy is probably bored i don't know what else he does in in his real life if he has you know a business or anything but this might be all he has this might be you know the the one thing that he loves doing and you know if he doesn't really have much else going on then i can see why he doesn't want to leave no it's absolutely true um something else that happened this week on raw that was pretty cool aj styles returned uh you know he he had a qualifying match for money in the bank which he won but we will get into the money in the bank later on in the show We'll run down the card. But, you know, it's funny. You know, he came back. He won his match. He cut a whole promo about the Boneyard match. He was like, I'm back. I'm not a zombie. He was like. Is this uh, the first time he's been back since Mania? Yes. He actually returned early. He wasn't supposed to return this early, but the ratings have been kind of down. So they figured they brought AJ back. The ratings might go up because he's a bigger star. Um, But, yeah, he came back. He cut a promo. You know, he said he wasn't a zombie and that, uh. You know, he doesn't think he lost to The Undertaker because there was no referee and there was no match. He was like, well, I don't know if he won. All he did was jump a bunch of dirt on me. So it was, it was a pretty entertaining promo from, from AJ. AJ's the man. I mean, for someone <laughs> to have, and he was always great, but to have this type of revitalization this late in his career. Yeah. And it was like really since, you know, his early to mid-30s when he was in New Japan, everything that happened with... You know, Bullet Club, and that took off everything he did overseas, and uh, then he was in ROH, too, so, like, he just, man, I don't, I'm trying to think of another time somebody spent their entire wrestling career outside of WWE and then came along this late and had a run like this. Yeah. Like, Goldberg comes to mind, but he didn't really have a great run in WWE. Yeah, I mean, like, he wasn't a star at that point. I don't know. Anyone come to your mind that, like, late. joined WWE this late in their career? So he was, he's like, what, like, like mid to late 30s? Yeah. I'm mid sure there's people late. out there that we're just not remembering on the spot. I mean, I think, I think when Shawn Michaels returned, 
you know, because he wasn't supposed to ever wrestle again. When he returned back in, like, 02, like, he went on, like, basically, like, almost, like, a 10-year run. Like, you know, I was, was just watching highlights of SummerSlam 02 before the podcast. <laughs> I was there. You know I was there, right, Johnny? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Wait, were you there with me? I was not, no. Oh, okay. Negative. I think it was just you and Uncle Adam. Yeah. So, I was kind of reminiscing. I was like, man, I remember Shawn Michaels jumping through that table. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's time for us to move on to the Money in the Bank card. I'm assuming you have no idea what matches are happening at Money in the Bank. I'm going to assume a Money in the Bank match. Wow. <laughs> not just not just one, but there's two Money in the Bank matches. One uh, male, one female? Correct. Uh, but before we start the card, something I read and, you know, I've, I talked about this uh, two weeks ago on my podcast and I want to get your opinion on it. So we have been told, I don't know what matches are going to be uh, done like this. I'm assuming it, most likely it's going to be the Money in the Bank match. But after seeing the success of like the cinematic matches at Mania, there is cinematic type matches at Money in the Bank. I don't know which matches they're going to be. Uh, if I had to pick one, I would assume it would be the Money in the Bank match. How do you feel about them kind of like seeing that these cinematic type matches, you know, worked and now they want to like cash in on that? A cinematic match for the Money in the Bank, Johnny? I mean, how would they do that? So something. So, OK, so I'm again, you probably don't know about this. This year's Money in the Bank is taking place at uh, WWE headquarters in Connecticut. Okay. And it's, it's being dubbed. um uh, you have to climb the corporate ladder. And the way the match is operated is there's a ring on the roof of headquarters, which has, you know, the ladders and the briefcases hanging up. However, the actual Money in the Bank match starts in the lobby of headquarters. And the wrestlers have to get to the roof and then get in the ring, climb ladder, and then get the briefcase. So I can see how they would make it some way... Somewhat uh, cinematic. I could see them doing it. All right. I mean, at least they're getting creative with everything Agreed, going on. Agreed, yeah. I mean, the WrestleMania ones were awesome. Like, the Firefly Funhouse match was ridiculous. And, you know, the Graveyard match, what, what was it called? With Undertaker and AJ? Uh, Boneyard match. The Boneyard match, yeah. I mean, that was cool. I mean, the, the one with John Cena and, and The Fiend was, I mean, way better. It, that was just, that blew me away. I like yeah. what they're doing. I mean, look... You know, at, throughout times like this, you have to find ways to be creative and do things differently. And he has no fans, Vince does. So, I mean, he's trying to he's trying and I, I think he's succeeding. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind, you know, once a pay-per-view, once every other pay-per-view, save, save them for the bigger ones, maybe some SummerSlam type stuff. I mean, they could get really creative with SummerSlam. They could do stuff like outdoors somewhere. But like uh, no, I mean, yeah. that uh, climbing the corporate ladder you know, guys fighting through elevators and running upstairs. Like, yeah, sure. I, I think that can actually be pretty entertaining. Cool. Yeah, I agree. So let's kick off this uh, Money in the Bank card. First match we're going to talk about here. There is a fatal four-way tag team ch- match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it's a ladder match or just a regular fatal four-way tag team match. Uh, if it's not a ladder match, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. Um, but... The participants are The New Day, who are currently the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, versus The Miz and Morrison, uh, versus Lucha House Party, and versus The Forgotten Sons. Who are The Forgotten Sons? So this is a, this is a team from uh, from NXT who actually got called up like Raptor Mania, which I was very surprised by, because I, I honestly didn't expect any kind of call-ups this year because of what's going on. But uh, I don't, it's not just that. Like, they're a good tag team, but I think there was more for them to do in NXT. Like, I don't think this is the right time to come up. But listen, from what I see what they're doing with them on SmackDown, they're doing some pretty good stuff with them. They're, they're pushing them pretty pretty good. I would have to imagine that the New Day or Miz and Morrison are probably the favorites to win this match, right? Um, I would agree. However, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they pulled out, like, like, a swerve and had the Forgotten Sons win. Because the Forgotten Sons actually just beat the New Day uh, in a tag team match on SmackDown, which I was very surprised by. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably do something to make them look strong if they actually have plans for them for the future. I mean, how many? I mean, we could just, you know what? That's what we should have done, Johnny. Our top 10 for today should have been 
the biggest busts as NXT call-ups. That's a, that's a good it's one. It's funny because on a show uh, two or three weeks ago, um, I, we, uh, me and uh, Rocky talked about how um, every tag team that came up from NXT, he was like, name me a tag team from NXT that actually succeeded on the main roster. And I couldn't do it because they either split up or they just didn't make it. <laughs> how were Dash and Dawson not amazing at, like, on the main roster? Listen, man, I really hope what they're saying about them going to AEW is true because they're going to light up the, the tag team division AEW. They're going to light it up. <laughs> those, I guess they were kind of like Legion of Doom knockoffs. Who were those guys again? The Ascension. The Ascension. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty good in NXT. Dude, they, they held the, the NXT tag titles for almost a year. Right, right. Uh, what, about, what about the Vaudevillains? The they were pretty sick. They were... <laughs> They were interesting. Their gimmick was, it was unique. I like them too. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, man. Again, like we could do a whole, <laughs> you could do a whole podcast on just like things that got messed up from NXT. somewhere between NXT to the main roster, like yeah. just that completely went off the rails. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't know where they kind of stand right now, but I'm gonna say that Miz and Morrison win. How likely is that? Uh, I'm actually gonna go with them as well. Because the way they they lost the titles, where uh, they did another one of those um, like triple threat matches, but it was just like one of the tag team partners, like how they did it at uh, Mania, where like it wasn't like the entire tag team, and that's how the New Day won the title. So the fact that we're actually having a tag team title match, I can see Miz and Morrison winning it back here. Let's get it. Let's do it. Okay, next match we have Bailey versus Tamina. For the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey versus Tamina. Bailey, she, Bailey's got like, she's got something going on right now, right? Like she's, she's in a she's good place. Like, I would say she's like the top female heel on SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, she's not gonna lose to Tamina. I don't think so either. But I will say, I believe was it at Mania where she cut a promo? It was bad. <laughs> It was really bad. It was like, dude, get Bailey a mouthpiece. Get her like some, I don't know, a former female manager. I like get <laughs> Brock Lesnar out of here. Have Paul Heyman be like the mouthpiece for Bailey. It was either I think it was Mania, but it was whatever it was. It was bad. Her promo. Oh, no. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I gotta agree with you though. I think Bailey is the easy pick here. I don't, I don't see someone like Tamina. Uh, beating her, I think they they make her look strong, but I don't see her taking the title from Bailey here. Um, next match, we'll, we'll stick with the SmackDown here. So they are not doing Braun Strowman versus the Fiend. They're doing Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt, like Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt. He's fighting Braun. And if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I'd have been like, Nah, they're probably gonna have Braun win, and. You know, probably have Bray come back and fight him again at some point as the Fiend. But I don't know. I've been reading a lot of things saying that that they're just going to give it to Bray, which I think would be kind of crazy if you just had, like, Firefly Funhouse Bray beat Braun. Johnny, when's the last time Bray Wyatt won a big match? (laughs) The Fiend wins big matches, except against Goldberg, of course. Bray Wyatt does not win big matches. So you're going to go with Braun over Bray here? Yeah, there's no doubt. I, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go with Bray here. I don't know why I feel like Braun is literally a transitional champion and they're just going to want to put the title right back on Bray no matter what. Gentlemen's bet. Yeah, we want to bet. I don't know. If I win, you give me that uh, universal title behind you. That's a negative. <laughs> why not? I'll give you, I'll give you this uh, David Wells bobblehead. I that's don't want that. That's a Yankee starting pitcher from the 90s. <laughs> I, did, I did not want that. <laughs> All right, we'll figure out the parameters of the bet. You buy me a six-pack if... Uh, there you go. I like that. If Braun Strowman wins. Um, next match, Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins for the WWE title. This, I think, is going to be a really good match. It should be a good match, but they're not going to take the strap off McIntyre yet, right? No, but don't be surprised if... If Seth wins, because I feel like, 
you know, with Seth's whole, you know, Monday Night Messiah, like, persona going on, I think it could happen at any day. Like, I, I don't think that they would have Seth lose clean. I, I think they're going to try and keep him strong. It'll end up being some kind of DQ or some stupid. Someone will come out and interfere and, you know, mess up the match. But I think it could be a really good match up to that point. Like, in-ring performance, it could be a very good match. But it'll just kind of have some wacky ending where both guys end up looking strong. I don't think they take the strap off McIntyre yet. I agree. That that sounds, like, just about right. Uh, I would say if if they do want to put it on Seth, uh, maybe as early as SummerSlam, I can say. Uh, but I don't know why part of me feels like because uh, Kevin Owens is now nursing, like, uh, an ankle injury. But they say he should be back in a couple of weeks, like, not too far after Money in the Bank. I could see them getting him involved here, you know, because of his previous history with uh, Seth at Mania. So I could see him getting, getting involved in the WWE title picture. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be very interesting to see where they go from here. Honestly, if they want to give us Seth and KO at SummerSlam, then I'm all for Drew McIntyre losing the title. That would be pretty sick. I'm not going to lie to you because those two put on a clinic at Mania. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> so now we're on to the Money in the Bank matches. Um, something else we're doing this year, which I just found out recently, and I was like, okay, well, that should be interesting. So, as I told you, you know, the match starts in the lobby, and they gotta go to the roof, and so on and so forth. But, what I didn't tell you is both the men's and women's match will be happening simultaneously. They'll be happening at the same time. Both briefcases will be hung up, and then both matches will be happening at the same exact time. Like, they're both climbing the building at the same time? Correct. Interesting. I agree. I was very uh, thrown off by that. I was like, oh, well, this should be quite interesting to see how this goes. So, I'll wait till you tell me who's in the match, because, of course, I have no idea who's in it. But I hope we wind up getting, like, Charlotte Flair puts, like, AJ Styles in a figure eight. Cause be- <laughs> um, no, I mean, I agree. I think we're definitely going to get some kind of, like, comedic like, men's, woman crossover thing going on here. I think that's definitely going to happen. That's, like, a guarantee here. Uh, but I- I'll tell you who's in the, the women's Money to Make match first. We have, from Raw, Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax. And from SmackDown, we have Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and Carmella. Mm. I'm going to narrow this down to two. Okay. And I'm going to say... Either Lacey Evans or Shayna Baszler wins. Yep. Although, like, uh, like, Shayna Baszler probably doesn't need it. They'll probably give it to Lacey Evans. Um, I mean, my pick is Shayna Baszler. I think this is how they're going to have her beat Becky. But she doesn't uh, need it, though. You know? She doesn't, but I think they're gonna. this is how they're going to make her more of a heel, though. Like, it's going to be like, oh, like, Shayna couldn't beat her, like, in a one-on-one match. So she had to use, like, underlining tactics like a Money in the Bank to beat Becky. Is Lacey Evans technically a heel? She is not. Really? She's a face now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. All right, maybe you're right. However, one of those two, though. I mean, a lot of people have been talking about Nia possibly winning because she just returned from injury. Mm. Like, she is a a possibility here. She's never had it before, right? She has never been Miss Money in the Bank now. Negative. Yeah, I mean, those would be my top three. Nia Jax would be in there. And I know it's part of her gimmick, but when watching Oscar matches, I, I got to mute the TV. Like, <laughs> she's yelling all over the place and stuff. I'm just like, what is going on? Agreed. Um, now, to, for the men's Money in the Bank, we have from, from SmackDown, we have Daniel Bryan, King Corbin, and Otis. The and, fat guy? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> And from Raw, we have Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, and AJ Styles. This is a pretty lackluster construction of people in, <laughs> in a Money in the Bank match, if I if I could say so myself. Um, I'm going to say Aleister Black is up there for me for sure. But do they want to push him that hard yet? I do. I think it's the right time. Yeah, you think so? I think he's the type of person who can actually hold the briefcase for a good minute as they build him. Mm. 
Who else is in the match eight again? Uh, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, Otis, and King Corbin. Corbin's the other one. I can see them giving it to Corbin. Corbin or Aleister Black. I'll go with Aleister Black. I'm also going to go with Aleister Black, but I agree King Corbin, I think, is right there because he has won Money in the Bank before, but he failed his cash in the last time. So I can see him now being, like, the king of the ring, having the briefcase and then cashing successfully and becoming champion. Like, it would almost be like a full circle type thing. So I could see that as well. Who won it last year? The Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar. Oh, gosh. Who won it the year before? I'm putting you on the spot. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Was he, he a face also, at the time? Uh, he was Braun Strowman. He wasn't a face nor a heel. Okay. But he failed to cash in. Same thing with Brock, too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I will go with Corbin. I think Corbin wins. I'm going to go with Alistair. I think, I think it's, t- I think they're gonna push him by having him hold the briefcase for a minute, and that's another thing, you know. I feel like we haven't had like a good like someone to hold the briefcase for a, a long minute in a while. Like I need someone to hold that briefcase for like the next like ten months. So that's like whenever I'm watching a pay per view, I'm like, oh man, like someone can come out and cash in like right now. Like we haven't had that in a very long time. Like. I need a lengthy money in the bank run. That's what I need. But that can easily be part of Corbin's thing. Just him coming out every week and just waving the money in the bank around and stupid crown and just being a heel about it and kind of teasing it all the time. It's true. You're not wrong. I'll go with um, Corbin and Lacey Evans. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna go with Alistair and Shayna Baszler. Those are my picks for the for the Money in the Bank matches. Deep down, um, I hope you're right. Because <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth when I when I said who I thought was going to win. Ew. Uh, yeah, that's your Money in the Bank card. You know, not not a really big card, I guess. You know, the Money in the Bank matches will take up majority of the time of the actual pay-per-view. So I, I understand why they're not doing that. Uh, before we move on here, one thing I wanted to bring up to you was actually something about AEW. These are three people who are currently in talks with signing with AEW, and I want your opinion. The three people are Zack Ryder, Rusev, and Eric Rowan. What are your thoughts? Woo, woo, woo. You know it. You know it. Yeah, I mean, it would be great. You know, AEW, I think, has done a great job with the talent that they have, but if you bring in people with more credibility, you know, I guess at the same time, you don't want it to just feel like a show that is just you know, people who were run out of WWE, you know, you, you want guys that you kind of build up on your own and no agreed. Some you bring homegrown in, talent, homegrown talent, some guys you bring in from the Indies, some lesser known talent, some guys from like the underground wrestling scene. Um, so maybe you don't bring in all three, but I, I don't see how it could hurt. You know, the one that I, I feel like probably fits the least ironically, cause I hit you with the woo 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 is probably Zack Ryder. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think I think Ryder could definitely do some good there, especially once they've established like a mid card title in AEW. Nah, he could do his thing. He's not a bad wrestler. It's just he always he always felt like one of those gimmicky guys that belonged in WWE. That's like, true. AEW does some kind of gimmicky stuff, but I don't know. I just can't really see it with Zack Ryder. Yeah, I mean, and listen. If it's true about Eric Rowan going there, I guarantee you he's going straight into the uh, the dark order with uh, with Brody Lee. That's going to be like a guarantee. What about my boy EY, Eric Young? Uh, I haven't heard anything about EY yet. Uh, I mean... Where's out there? Nope, nothing yet. Uh, I mean, I, I know people were talking him. about... Do it. Text him. Ask him where EY's going. Um, I know Gallows and Anderson, you know... Some people were telling me who, that they, they were going to EW, but I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if they just go back to New Japan, to be honest with you. That, they'd probably, they would probably they would be welcome they would be welcome back with open arms in New Japan so Oh absolutely but you know what of all the names that you mentioned I think that would be the biggest get for AEW Gals and Anderson Gals and Anderson yeah Especially too you know if they get the revival like that's another thing about the revival you know I read uh some, something I, I again I find it funny that WWE does this uh cuz uh Dash, Wilder, and Scott Dawson have been asking for the release for a good minute. 
And the reason why they finally were granted their release uh, a couple weeks ago uh, was they had to give up some of their rights to their stuff. And we don't know what rights they gave up. So, like, they might not have the rights to their name or their tag team name. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, it's not so bad. Just come up with a new name. True. I think they're definitely going to AEW because I know how bad the Young Bucks want to work with them. Yeah, oh my gosh. That would be just such a clinic of (laughs) high-risk, you know, combination tag team wrestling versus just a classic a classic tag i mean a throwback tag team in the revival you know you don't you don't see tag teams the way that the revival you know they cut the ring in half they literally they would just outsmart you they were cerebral it's they're a great tag team i have no idea you know maybe it was too many i feel like they had a lot of injuries maybe that's something that factored into it but probably they're just a great throwback tag team speaking of tag teams they've never done a money in the bank tag team match negative that's interesting Something I found interesting that they didn't do this year uh, that I think is a missed opportunity is them to not include NXT in the Money in the Bank. I think you should definitely include NXT in Money in the Bank. Why not? Why can't someone from NXT hold the Money in the Bank briefcase? Like, who, you can... Who would you put in it from NXT? Right now? Probably the Velveteen Dream. I think he would be a great person to have in it. Whoa, Johnny. Are we allowed to talk about this? I don't know. <laughs> What's the latest there? What's going on? Uh, the latest is that he currently has an NXT championship match t- tonight. I don't know. He might have won the NXT title tonight. I have no idea. I'm talking to you. Yeah, we are currently recording on Wednesday, May 6th. It's For all we know, Velveteen Dream is your, is your new NXT champion. I doubt, I'm pretty sure I would have gotten an update about it. But right. uh, listen, he's he's fine. They gave him an NXT title match. That. <laughs> So that says that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I would put either Gargano or like Ciampa in the match. I think they're like a good NXT talent that could do something. Because I feel like with NXT, you could either have someone win it, cash it on the NXT title, or that's how you can use it to bring them to the main roster by having them cash in like on the main champion. Imagine someone from NXT coming in their first day and cashing the money in the bank and becoming WWE champion. Like that would be crazy. They don't have anybody of that stature right now. Unless I mean, Adam Cole. Yeah, but he's not coming up anytime soon. He's still NXT champion. I mean, Maybe Finn... and are going to stay in NXT forever. Probably. And Velveteen Dream, I you can't throw him into the world heavyweight title kind of discussion right away. Right away, I know. Yeah. Nah, he's it's... probably bound for like a lifelong mid-card guy, but I think he can have, like, a really, really good mid-card career if, you know, if it goes right. Um, someone just debuted on, on NXT. I don't know if you know him. His name is Killer Cross. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. I actually went to a... I went to a show in Astoria. It was, like, in this little warehouse a couple of years ago, and it was a Impact taping. And they oh. had, uh, they actually had Pentagon Jr. at it. It was sick. It was like this little hole in the wall uh, warehouse. Drank a couple beers. Yeah, I saw Killer Cross there. I saw him live. He was good. Yeah, he just signed with NXT. He debuted tonight, but I think his new name is uh, Carrion Cross. I think they they took Killer out of his name, which isn't surprising from WWE. Right. Um. But yeah, I think it's time for us to go on to our top ten. But before we do today in wrestling history, uh, twenty years ago. Today was the first ever um, insurrection pay per view. I don't know if you remember that pay per view from back in the day. It was like a insurrection. Insurrection. It was a pay per view that happened like over in England. It only happened for a couple of years. I, I think they did it just because like England or like Europe never got like a pay per view ever. So like that was like how they did it. I don't but, remember. But there's another top ten for you, Johnny. Top ten most random pay per views they made. Because there were some really random ones. There are. You're not wrong. I, I, could, I can name like four right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. What? What do you got? What, from like random pay-per-views or top ten? Yeah, like how random was Great American Bash? Was that something that happened every year? Yeah, that happened every year. How about um, how about Capital Punishment? Oh, my. <laughs> I have no idea what that is. <laughs> what about uh, Great Balls of Fire? I remember that. <laughs> but that was like a random pay-per-view that happened. Right. No, there's definitely some out there. 
Yeah. But anyway, that's our top ten. Great, great top ten topics. Look at this. I know. I gotta start writing this stuff down. Um, top ten this week. We, me and you, kind of went back and forth trying to pick what we wanted. Uh, I came up with top ten ladder matches in honor of you know Money in the Bank coming up and it being a ladder match. So, Frankie, why don't you lead us off here with your number 10 ladder match of all time? All right, number 10. I don't know how egregious this is to either have this on the list or for it not to be higher on the list, but I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan winning the IC title at WrestleMania 31. It wasn't, like, a great match, but I thought it was, like, a good moment. It was a very solid match. It was a good kickoff to WrestleMania. There were some solid spots, and... I like Daniel Bryan, so I have that as number 10. Nice. Uh, I have one. I have a match, too, that actually happened not too long ago. I think it happened five years ago. It is the Usos versus the New Day versus Kalisto and Sin Cara in um, TLC 2015. I, I feel like we wa- you watch this match with me. This is the one where uh, Kalisto does the Selena Del Sol, like, through the ladder. Okay. And, I don't know, that, that was just a great, like, tag team match, and... Um, the, the people who were in that uh, match were just really good teams. And I feel like since since then, we haven't really seen, like, a solid tag team match, like a ladder match. So I gave it to that. And that one, again, has, like, really cool spots, like the, the Selena Del Sol being put through a ladder. Like, that was just, like, something that was really exciting to see. What do you got for number nine? At number nine, I have a little bit of a throwback here. And this is before Triple H and The Rock were, you know, once they kind of hit the top of the card, this is when they were still, I mean, they were they were making their way up slowly. This is kind of like the beginning of the uh, Attitude Era here. But SummerSlam 98, Triple H versus The Rock for the IC title. Uh, China actually interfered in this match late and low-blowed The Rock while he was climbing the ladder. And Triple H went on to win this match. But uh, it's just a throwback, and it's a reminder that, you know, these were the good old days when they, they built their mid-card talent up to be, you know, yeah. what we remember these guys to be now, which is, you know, two of the top five, top ten wrestlers in history. Um, and, you know, this was not the start of their career, but this was kind of the start of their ascension. Agreed. Uh, my number nine, I have RVD versus Eddie Guerrero, Raw 2002, for the Intercontinental title. Uh, I actually, I'm not going to lie to you, when, when I said we were going to do this this top ten, I actually went back and like watched some ladder matches just to see how I would rank them. This match was actually a really good match, especially for, for Monday Night Raw. Like, you almost forget that like they were putting on these solid matches on Raw, let alone like a ladder match. Like you'll, You never see a ladder match on Raw anymore. Um, but it was a solid match. Uh, reason why it's high on my list were there were some botches in it where I was like, Ah, uh, like, you know, that kind of sucks, but, you know, it happens. Like, there was a spot where RB tries to do a frog splash off the top of a ladder, and the ladder just, like, gives, so he just kind of, like, falls. And I'm like, ah. But um, otherwise, other than that, it was actually, like, a pretty good, like, ladder match. The Battle of the Frog Splashes. Yeah, man. Shout out to Eddie Guerrero. Number eight for me. Once you said RVD, I was like, oh, man, we might have back-to-back the, the same answers here. But I have RVD versus Jeff Hardy, SummerSlam 2001. And this was RVD's first couple of months when he was with WWE, when he came over from ECW at the time. And and these are just two of my favorite wrestlers, like during that time, RVD and Jeff Hardy, you know, high flyers. And you can imagine these guys putting on a ladder match together. I mean, there were spots in this match. And especially when RVD first came over, I believe this match was for the hardcore title. It was. (laughs) Yeah. And so like, you can imagine some of the stuff that you know they were doing, these two guys in the ring together in a ladder match, uh, especially RVD, you know, early in his WWE run here. So, uh, yeah, that's what I have for number eight, SummerSlam 2001. Uh, number eight, I have Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10. Uh, this this has to be on, I feel like, everyone's top ten. If it's not, well, then I guess I'm judging you. Uh, you know, this is a match that revolutionized the ladder match. You know, the iconic scene of Sean jumping off and doing a splash onto Razor Ramon in Madison Square Garden. Like, it lives on forever. And, again, this is where you talk about these two guys who, like, are mid-carters who are, like, defining their era. Especially for, like, a title like the Intercontinental title, which, as we've discussed, 
previously is the workhorse title of the WWE. Yeah, I mean, it's on my list. A little bit higher, though. I, you know, I almost wonder if it's a match that is overrated because it was like the first televised ladder match and it was kind of... I feel was, like it might be. It was the start of, you know... Yeah. Era of ladder matches. But I, I do have a little bit higher on my list. Number seven for me, I have... Jericho versus Chris Benoit, Royal Rumble 01 for the Intercontinental title. And if you remember, this was the match where Jericho actually did the walls of Jericho, yes, the top, top. Yep. of the ladder against Benoit. Uh, there were some really cool spots in this match. Benoit did the flying headbutt off the top of the ladder as well. Um, but another one, like how many, we, we said this for, you know, we're only seven, we're only up to number seven in the countdown. And we've said this for a few matches already where it was, you know, guys that eventually climbed up the card and became faces of WWE and wrestling in general. And here they are in 2001 and they're fighting for the intercontinental title. So there you go. Jericho and Benoit Royal Rumble 01. Uh, Number seven for me is when you've already mentioned uh, Triple H versus The Rock, SummerSlam 98. Uh, There's not much more I can add to it except just like you said, it's just these, these two guys who, you know, at the time, they they weren't the top people of the of the company yet, but you know it was uh, it was Nation of Domination versus DX. This is when they're smack dab in their mid card. And listen, they put on a clinic in a ladder match. And these are two people who you know I mean I guess at the time it was believable because now when we look back like when we think ladder matches we think more of like high fire guys. But these were two big guys like in a ladder match. Like they they weren't small guys. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Nation. Of domination. There you go. How about that? Yeah. Number six for me, Adam Cole Bebe versus EC3 versus Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream versus Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan for the North American Championship. Of course, you know my guy, Adam Cole, came out on top. But look, any ladder match that involves Adam Cole, uh, Ricochet, you know, doing the spots, p- pulling off spots. And it wasn't just him. It was like everyone had a crazy spot in this match. Oh, yeah. It was someone was Killian Dane was flying out of the ring. Lars Sullivan was like power slamming someone through a ladder somewhere. Uh, EC3 had a big spot. Like Velveteen Dream did the thing where like he rolls with the guy. I think he did it to Ricochet. He like laid the ladder across. Yep. Like everyone had a spot in this match. So I don't know if I have this too high, not high enough, but I thought it was incredible. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was a great match. And like I think that was the match too where uh, Ricochet does the. Um, he like jumps on like the 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 top rope there and does the uh, the shooting star like onto all of them if I'm correct. Like there were some crazy spots there. You'd know better than I would. <laughs> uh, my number six is actually the first ever Money in the Bank match. Uh, I had to show love to the Money in the Bank match. Uh, you know there there've been so many now over the years, but the first one is just iconic. It's what started off this Money in the Bank idea. Uh, and again, you know, my guy Edge ended up winning the first one. Uh, you had some great talent in that match. You know, you had Edge, you had Benoit, Shelton Benjamin, Kane. Like, these are all people who, again, at the time, weren't, like, top people. And to give them something like the Money in the Bank to make it to the top. Like, listen, once Edge won Money in the Bank, that was it, man. He was a top star. That was it. Like, he never looked back. That's what they should be doing. Johnny, if you had to make a Money in the Bank right now, of just mid-card wrestlers that you think should be pushed to the top of the card, who would you put in that match? Um, definitely. Well, there's some people who are in it who I think should be in it. So I think Alistair is a good person who should be in it. Right. Corbin's a good person should, who should be in it. Um, I feel like I'd put Kevin Owens in it. I feel like we haven't really done much with him. That's pretty good. Um... Trying to think of other mid carters on both Raw and SmackDown. How about, how about Ricochet? Ricochet, yeah. You know what? He would probably have a really good spot in the Money in the Bank. Not going to lie. So, yeah, absolutely. Are they doing anything with him right now? He's currently in a tag team with Cedric Alexander, which is kind oh, of cool. Actually, you know, when I watched Raw after Mania, they actually had a really good match. Or Cedric, I don't know if it was a tag team or if it was just Cedric Alexander. But he did well. Cedric Alexander did well. He's a yeah, good wrestler. Uh, their tag team name is Two Fly. Wow. So original. <laughs> right? All right, what number are we up to? Top five. Here we go. Top five. You mentioned it already. Razor Ramon versus HBK, WrestleMania 10. 
for the Intercontinental title. First televised ladder match. Just an iconic match. People remember Shawn Michaels is when he still had the curly hair. Uh, came out with the uh, with the Stun of Shades. And, you know, everyone remembers the crossbody. Razor Ramon. Man, Razor Ramon, what a guy. What a guy. Hey, Chico. This was before... Uh, I mean, he honestly, he might have been doing stuff even at this time. But, man, shout out to Razor Ramon. He was... Oh, I, I love mid-card wrestlers. That, that's just, that's where I belong. It was like him, Kurt Henning, man. Mr. Perfect is, you know, honestly, don't sleep on Mr. Perfect. He's probably in my top five all time. He's oh yeah, he's awesome. Kurt Angle's in my top five, too. Okay, number five for me. And it's funny because th- this has you in my top five because it's funny when I think ladder matches is one of the first ones that actually pops in my head. Um, Undertaker, Jeff Hardy, Raw 2001 for the Undisputed title. That was a good match. This match, so now this is why this is why it's funny. Like this match isn't like like a crazy ladder match, but it's just a good match. Like you have someone like Taker, who is literally never in ladder matches, who because he's a big guy, you know, it just wasn't like his thing. But you put him in a ladder match with someone like Jeff Hardy, who literally defined the ladder match. And this is the time when you know Taker's running as a heel. He's doing really good as the American badass. And, you know, you think for a minute that, like, Jeff is actually going to win the Undisputed title. And then Taker chokeslams him off. And uh, after the match, you know, Jeff gets back up and he's like, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. And Taker gets back in the ring. And instead of, like, beating the hell out of him, you know, he actually raises his arm, like, out of respect. So it's just one of those uh, moments that, that sticks out to me. Yeah, that's a homer pick. Johnny had to go with his boy, The Undertaker. You're not wrong. Number four for me, Chris Jericho. Versus HBK Shawn Michaels for the World Heavyweight Title No Mercy 2008. I don't know if I have this match too high. It might be a little bit too high on this list, number four. Uh, but it, I mean, it was a pivotal match. It was, you know, it was World Heavyweight Championship. You remember the end of this match is they're both pulling the title. It's kind of like yep. going one way to Shawn. It's going one way to Jericho, uh, and Jericho ends up, you know, winning the winning the title there. Um, I believe he retained, right? He was a champion at the time. Yep, correct. Yeah, look, Jericho's probably. You know, if you were given anybody from WCW or ECW who came over to WWE, I don't know that you would have predicted Jericho to become the biggest star of all of them. Correct. Because he pro- he probably did. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, everything he did. Like, the guy he's, literally he's, held every championship. And he's your first ever undisputed champion. Like, no one could take that away from him. <laughs> yeah, and now, like, the guy, he's still going. He's yeah. Le Champion. Le Champion. Shout out to Jericho. Uh, my number four is one you've already mentioned. Uh, RVD versus Jeff Hardy, SummerSlam 01 for the hardcore title. Listen, I was watching this match last night because I was like, I, I need a refresher. I need to see how this match goes. This match was actually really good. And mind you, for it to be for like the hardcore title, which like when you think back about it, it's just like a joke title. Like they put on a really good match for that title. And like, to think that RVD and Jeff Hardy didn't work more with each other, like, in the future for, like, you know, either ladder matches or, like, hardcore matches, because I think that they could have done a lot more things with one another. Johnny, put some respect on the hardcore title. Do you own the hardcore championship? Of all the championships you own, you don't own the hardcore championship? No. That, I mean, if there's a, ever a title to work, to spend your money on, it's the hardcore title. If I do it, then I, whoever holds it has to defend it, like, all the time. <laughs> number three for me how can i mean look how can you forget this match it, it, it's more so about the storyline ray mysterio versus eddie guerrero <laughs> 2005 the for, custody of a child <laughs> for the custody of a child vicky guerrero coming in and interfering late excuse me oh my gosh i mean I mean, there's been a lot of crazy storylines. So I, I just thought in my head, I was like, is this the craziest storyline they've ever done? But they've done so many crazy. Like, this has to be top three, right? Like, top three craziest storylines ever in wrestling. Uh, Yeah, but listen, you know, nothing beats uh, Vince faking his own death. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a great one. You know, the one to my mind, too, was like Triple H drugging Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> and then marrying her. And then marrying her. Like, what? <laughs> you know what else just came to mind, too? I remember this so vividly. It was it. It's not really, it's not really a storyline. It was just an awesome promo. Jericho on a Monday Night Raw is probably in the early 2000s. 
He did a promo comparing Stephanie McMahon's breast size from one year to yep. the next and showing that she got a boob job. Yes. Oh, my God. I, the guy's a genius. <laughs> For my number three, uh, another one you've actually mentioned, Jericho versus Shawn Michaels 2008. Uh, no mercy for the world title. Uh, yeah, listen. Uh, this is a match I actually watched a couple hours ago before I were doing this podcast. And, yeah, man, you know, watching it and just thinking about, like, what a match that these two were putting on, like, in their career, like, later in their career, too. Like, you know, they weren't really, like, young here. This is this is deep in their career. And to put on, like, a really good match like that, and like you said, you know, the, the image of them each holding half of the title, trying to pull it down, like... It's things like that when it comes to a ladder match that has to make it great is, like, the anticipation of, like, oh, like, are they going to get it? And it's, like, to have two people holding on each end, like, and you not knowing, like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Like, I don't know if it's going to end in a draw, if, like, I, I don't know. So, yeah, I, that match, I think, is, is really good. It's my top – it's my top three. All right. Well, no surprise to anybody. I haven't mentioned any of the Hardys, Edge and Christian, Dudley Boyd's matches, but number two – WrestleMania 2000, uh, the ladder match that these three tag teams put on. And it's not just this one. It, it, like, you can make a list of just tag yeah. matches that they've done, ladder matches, all different types of matches that they've done. I mean, these three work together. I think you can say the the best tag team workers combined, like in a ring together. Like, was there ever a better you know, duo or trio of tag teams that works better in a ring, which is, is very high praise because there's, I'm sure there's many things that I'm forgetting and just kind of living in the moment right now. But yeah. they did phenomenal work together. And of course, this was the one where the iconic scene of Jeff Hardy jumping off the ladder on the, the Titantron, doing the Swanton Bomb through uh, Bubba Ray, through the table. It, you know, they're showing the camera from down low and you see him doing the flip. It's just one of the iconic moments and and shots in wrestling history so that's number two for me uh yep my number two is actually the same match that you just mentioned <laughs> WrestleMania 2000 these three teams going at it and listen you know this match started as a ladder match and this is what created the TLC match this match went on to create the table ladders and chairs match so this was like like if Michaels was the start of the ladder match these guys were the next evolution of it, and then from here we got the TLC match. So I agree. You know, everything they did in this match was just crazy. Honestly, I can't think of, of three better teams that did better together than these guys, especially in a time when you had people like The Rock and Austin. Like these guys knew that they had to go out and still steal the show some somehow. Yeah, I mean that's what's so underrated about this era is that you know we when we talk about this time period we're often talking about Stone Cold and The Rock and Degeneration X and everything that was going on with them and you know a little bit further down the card you had you know great tag team matches that were going on as well. Uh, number one for me, Hardys, Edge and Christian, Dudley Boys. They're they're my top two here. WrestleMania 17, um, first TLC match. So look, it's everything that we've been saying about you know these three teams together, uh, just in the ring together. This was uh, when Edge speared Jeff. You know, while he's yeah. holding the title, too. It's just, you want to talk about iconic moments, too, and that anticipation. You mentioned anticipation earlier, and that was one of those moments where, like, what's going to happen? He can't grab the thing. He can't rip it down. He's just holding from it. Boom, guy gets speared. Uh, so that was awesome. I think you can swap these two. It's, you know, the WrestleMania 2000 ladder match, this TLC match. You can put one of them ahead of the other, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I have WrestleMania 17 as number one. Uh, yeah, for my number one, I actually have... Edge versus Christian, No Mercy, 2001, for the Intercontinental title. Uh, this is when Edge and Christian, you know, were finally split up, and Christian was doing his own thing. He was the Intercontinental champion. And look, as you just said, like, they were part of this this era of wrestling where they kind of defined the ladder match. And then to take two people out of that equation and have them go against each other, knowing, like, they know how to work a ladder match. So if you've never seen this match or haven't seen it in a while, I recommend you going back and looking at it, like, there's a spot where um, Christian's climbing the ladder and Edge just spears him off the ladder, which is pretty sick. But the biggest spot in this match is uh, Edge actually concertos Christian on top of two ladders. Yikes. And, you know, he ends up winning the match and uh, becoming the new Intercontinental Champion. But, yeah, that, that's what I have for my number one. Just, you know, just, just uh, an iconic Intercontinental uh, 
title ladder match, which is kind of funny. You mentioned, like, as we're talking about this, you know, it seems the Intercontinental title has been defined a lot by ladder matches. <laughs> yeah, it really has. Uh, the history of that, t- you know, and all the different types of just straps that it's had and, and different yeah. looks it's had. It's, you know, the yellow title, the white title, the the one in the 90s, which was more like an oval kind of gold shape with a, with yeah. a black strap at the time. And then they brought the white title back. And now they have, you know, this they have like a they have a new one. Right. And it looks like. Yeah, crap. yeah it's, not, it's not a good look. It's like all the other titles that they have now. It's. Nothing really looks great. So how big of is uh, big of an omission is it that I don't have Edge versus Christian on my list, Johnny? I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, me personally, I went in and I, I, I dug deep for certain matches. And again, like, this is a match I actually rewatched. And, you know, something I wanted to ask you was, you know, when making this list, how, like, what, what kind of grades are you looking for when it comes to grading, like, a ladder match to make it great? Like, for me, like, I need, like, um how you use the ladder uh what moves you're doing on the ladder you know the like the climbing of the ladder the anticipation of climbing the anticipation of getting the title if you're doing moves outside the ring on the ladder like it's all these things that to me i had to look for to to grade my matches and my my list here i mean for me it was iconic moments yeah I mean, okay. not every match on this list has an an iconic moment but a lot of the ones that i mentioned like the adam cole versus ec3 ricochet like that whole match i don't know if five years from now anyone's gonna remember that match but it was a good match and there were some oh yeah spots in that match but you know for some of the other ones you know triple h versus the rock iconic match um you know uh jericho versus benoit doing the walls of jericho on top of the on top of the ladder that was an iconic moment uh razor ramon first ladder match that was televised jericho hbk pulling the title uh, fighting for the custody of a child. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, with the Hardys, Edge and Christian and, and the Dudley boys, those are, you know, when you think of ladder matches, you think of those guys. So for yeah. me, it's, you know, they have to be either near the top or at the top of the list. Yeah. And, you know, to go back to answer your earlier question of mid card people who I'd put in the money in the bank match, uh, another couple people that came to mind, uh, Andrade, I would definitely throw Andrade into the mix of Money in the Bank. I think he would do really well. He is still, he's actually engaged to Charlotte now. Interesting. Um, I would definitely throw in The Miz or Morrison, one or the other. Actually, more The Miz. I think The Miz could have one more good title title reign left in him. Um, How about your boy Nakamura? Is it too late? (laughs) Don't tease me, Johnny. Is it too late for him? Did KO and, and Nakamura ever ever wrestle in WWE? Uh, maybe. Did uh, they wrestle in NXT? Not NXT, no. They they might have wrestled in WWE like at some point, but it probably wasn't anything, you know, to remember. Oh, what a missed opportunity. Um, yeah, I agree. But before I let you go here, because you know, you, you you were talking about people. Uh, in your top five in wrestling and that, this and that. And last week I had this question towards my uh, my guest last week. And I actually want to throw it to you now because you made me think about it. Who would be like your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? Oh. <laughs> That's tough. Um, I, <laughs> you know, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's not it's not your favorites, though. Like Mount Rushmore... Unless that's how you mean it. To me, Mount Rushmore is not like. No, Mount Rushmore to me is like, like Mount Rushmore. No, Mount Rushmore to me is like like if I were to say my Mount Rushmore, it would be Taker, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, Ric Flair, and Stone Cold. Yeah, that's that's a good list. That's fair. Um, but I would say almost you have to have each person that defined an era. Correct. So you have to have Hogan. And I guess, I mean, Flair was kind of the same time as Hogan. You have to have, it's tough though, because like the Rock, Stone Cold, and Shawn Michaels were all together. Well, Michaels was a little bit earlier, so maybe he's kind of like the transition. And then where do you put The Undertaker? Because he's so, you know, yeah, such a unique person in wrestling history. I, I would say... All right, here's what we're going to do. 
Hmm. I think Cena has to be on it. As my, I, I don't like yeah. Cena, but I think he has to be on it. I agree. The guy was the face of wrestling from the ruthless aggression on for the sure. past, you know, 15 years, longer. So I, I think it has to be, let's go. The thing is, I can't just put one of Stone Cold and not The Rock. It's like you can't put one of them and not the other. <laughs> let's go Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, Cena. That's the Mount Rushmore wrestling. Okay. And and no Shawn Michaels, which is crazy. Yeah, but. yeah no, I mean, everyone's is going to be different. Everyone's is going to be different. Shawn Michaels was, I guess he was kind of that bridge from Hogan to The Rock and Stone Cold. Yeah, but how do you get rid of one of them? You get rid of, Who do you get rid of, The Rock or Stone Cold? I mean, I chose Stone Cold over The Rock just because Stone Cold is the biggest draw in wrestling history. Like, The Rock is great, but Stone Cold is technically above The Rock. He didn't draw as much as him. Who who do you think was a bigger draw between? Maybe you just answered it. and I wasn't paying attention. Shawn Michaels versus The Rock. Did you answer that? I did not. Who was bigger, a bigger between those two? You have to think of the era. Honestly, I'm probably gonna say Shawn, because you gotta think of the era they were in, and you know because The Rock was in the era of Stone Cold, like he never got above him. But like when Shawn Michaels was in his era, he was the top guy. You know, I'm gonna tweet this out and see the responses that I get, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I'm going to change it. I think I'm going to go Hogan. Uh, maybe I shouldn't tweet that out then because people are going to eh. – a lot of people don't like Hulk Hogan. I get it. Um, but Hogan, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, Cena. That's the Mount Rushmore wrestling. Okay. And it, you can argue that there should be someone even before Hogan, right? I mean, who was who was the face of wrestling before Hogan? Probably San Martino. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Dusty Rhodes, but not really. No, I, I would I would always put Flair over Dusty. Right. Because Dusty was just more of like the underdog kind of guy. And Flair was before Hogan too, right? Yeah, he was. He was more of like 1970s type type yeah. wrestling. 70s, 80s. Yeah. It's probably one of Bruno San Martino or, or Ric Flair. I'm sticking with what I got. Okay. Now, I, honestly, that's a good Mount Rushmore. Again, everyone's going to have something different. But yep, that is our show. It was a it was a good show today. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Of course. <laughs> I, I thought I didn't know if you were talking to me or the listeners. I, you no. know, the listeners are at home are probably like, yeah, of course, great. It was great. I got to listen to Frank and Johnny together. The Brothers of Destruction. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yep, for Frankie Stanfield, I'm John Jonathan Stanfield. Everyone, stay safe out there. Wear your masks. Wash your hands. And just keep jobbing. See you later, guys.